Hello, and welcome to the PCOS Diva podcast. My name is Amy Medling. I'm a certified health coach, and I'm the founder of PCOS Diva. And my mission is to help women with polycystic ovary syndrome find the tools and knowledge they need to take control of their PCOS so they can regain their fertility, femininity, health, and happiness. And if you haven't already, make sure you check out PCOSDiva.com because there I offer tons of great free information about PCOS and how to develop your PCOS diet and lifestyle plan so you can begin to thrive like a diva. Look for me on iTunes, Facebook, Instagram, and Pinterest as well. Now let's get started. So how many of us take prescriptions the doctor hands us without reservation, without understanding short and long-term side effects and risks? I know I have, and I write about this in my book that will be coming out next year. I was Given one of the prescriptions I was given was Actos to, you know, off-label to help with insulin resistance, but little did I know that it could cause congestive heart failure, which now it has a, a black box warning on that drug for congestive heart failure, and has also been linked with bladder cancer. So thank goodness I only took that short term, but um, did so without any idea of, of the risk factors for that that medication, that drug. And I think a lot of women with PCOS have done the same thing. And, you know, I'm really here today with my wonderful podcast guest um, that is returning to the PCOS Diva podcast, Dr. Poppy Daniels, to kind of uh, really raise sort of a warning flag for women with PCOS or given the birth control pill is therapy and other drugs is therapy. Because as Dr. Poppy says, every woman should understand the short and long-term side effects, risks, and recovery. Otherwise, that isn't informed consent. So welcome back to the PCOS Diva podcast, Dr. Poppy. Thank you for having me again. So I just wanted to point um, listeners in the direction of the podcast that we did earlier this year. It was podcast 62, and we talked about pregnancy and um, the importance of progesterone uh, replacement therapy for, for many women with PCOS. So, so check that podcast out, super informative. Um, and I just want to give listeners a quick overview of um, you know, what your expertise is. So you are known to your patients and social media followers um, as um, as an OBGYN, and you have a wide variety of special interests, including physician-midwifery collaboration, functional obstetrics, bioidentical hormone therapy, progesterone support in pregnancy, recurrent pregnancy loss, infertility, PCOS, clotting disorders, and vaginal birth after cesarean. And you're also a author of a book that I just read last night, and it's really, really interesting but horrifying at the same time. It's the Dangers of Depot, the World's Most Dangerous Birth Control um, Pill, and you wrote that with Tracy Johnstone. So today I really wanted to talk about that, that, that um, topic of making sure that you understand the risks um, long-term and short-term of any type of medications that you're given. And, and I think that your book and this idea of the, um, how really dangerous the depot shard is is a really a great example. Um, so maybe you could just give us some background as to how you wrote that book and um, you know, your experience working with, with Tracy and what her experience was with that shot. Sure. Well, um, I guess it would probably go back to when I was a resident, OBGYN resident, and I did my training in Philadelphia in large metro urban uh, hospital. And <clears throat> that was back in the days of Norplant. So um, some of you are familiar with Norplant. That was when you would have six rods implanted into your arm. And... Um, I, with mainly a black urban population that I was um, involved with, I would really see that Norplant and Depo were both sort of 
emphasized to that patient population. And uh, it always bothered me because I knew that a lot of the underlying unspoken reason was that these women shouldn't be reproducing. And nobody would say that out loud, but it was it was just this sort of feeling that you would get that, you know, these were the ones that we really need to try to get them to, on because they're long-term and they don't require someone to remember to take a pill every day. And... Um, but I would see lots of side effects from these two uh, contraceptives, lots of irregular heavy bleeding, lots of weight gain, lots of mood problems, and I did not like them. I didn't like them for the side effects. Um, and Norplant was shortly taken off the market because there was a lot of consumer anger about this medication. It was felt to be targeted toward women of color and lower socioeconomic class. So there's a lot of lawsuits, a lot of watchdog groups, and was taken off the market. Well, um, Depo, of course, was not taken off the market, still on the market, and, um, but it has a very long, controversial past. Now, most people don't know that it took a really long time for it to be approved as a, as a birth control uh, medication in the United States. So, um, you know, one of the things that was uh, noticed about Depo was the weight gain. So there was sort of tremendously higher amount of weight gain with Depo shot than there were with regular birth control pills. And nobody could ever explain it. And um, it was interesting because in doing the research for this book, I have a lot of regular um, mainstream gynecology textbooks. And I just was going through all of them to see, you know, what is the, what is the opinion for why this happens? And would you believe that the majority of time the women are blamed in mm -hmm. these gynecology textbooks? Um, various, various wording, but a lot of it is sort of like women are going to gain weight anyway, uh, acknowledging that a lot of the women who are prescribed this medication are African-American or Hispanic and that they're more likely to gain weight anyway, and it's more reflective of food choices than it is the drug. And so basically blaming women, you know, which is highly offensive on almost every level. Um, so um, it's interesting because, because of that, you may have fewer PCOS patients prescribed it because they are often already struggling with weight gain. And so you may not have as many PCOS patients who are prescribed it as they are birth control pills. Um, but they still are prescribed it in some way. And a lot of women who have endometriosis are prescribed Depo. And I see a lot of women who have both endometriosis and PCOS. That's very common. And so you, you still have quite a few women, and women who have PCOS who have very heavy periods. So they're often recommended to be taking these things to stop their period so they're not bleeding out all the time. So um, in the United States, though, it's a, it's a very unpopular contraceptive because of the side effects. And um, it's interesting because... If you look at the percentages, and I list them in the book, the percentages of white women who take Depo-Provera um, is way outpaced by birth control pills. So the vast majority of hormonal contraceptives taken by white women are oral contraceptives and less than 5% for the Depo shot. In women who have color, well, African-American women are prescribed Depo three and a half times more than white women and Hispanic women about double what white women are, are prescribed. So, and there's lots of things in the book that we don't have time to get into in terms of, you know, population control and all of these things, which are, I mean, there's no denying it when you look at the history. There just isn't. So, but if you focus just on how women do on this medication, they do poorly. They don't do well in the vast majority of cases. And um, one thing that I have, and I think we may have talked about this on the last show, 
But many times when women bring their complaints about birth control to the doctor, the doctor does not want to blame the birth control. Mm -hmm. The doctor wants to blame this, that, or the other thing, and often the woman herself. Mm -hmm. But it's a very weird thing that happens where, you know, women will come in and, and your audience, more typically it would be birth control pills. If they come in and they're prescribed birth control pills and they're having mood swings or they're having still irregular bleeding even on birth control, I mean, there's so many times that women are sort of not listened to when it comes to what they're experiencing. Or they're prescribed another drug, like an antidepressant. Absolutely. <laughs> so. Crazy. And, and low libido. I think a lot of women have no idea that the birth control pill is actually suppressing their libido. And I think it's that, that sense. I, I know what I experienced was, like, there was just no joie de vivre. I just felt very flat. And yeah. life was very flat. But And I remember mentioning that to the doctor. And... That's exactly what his response was. Well, you know, we could prescribe you something for that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We have a pill for every ill. Right. So, um, but so I really did not prescribe Depo very much in my own private practice after I got out of training. And um, there would be women that would come in on it. You know, they were already on it, and I would sort of, you know, if they're doing okay on it, continue it. But I would never start someone on depot because I just never liked how the results of, that the women would complain of. And through the years, I've always, you know, I'm very tuned in to any uh, research that comes out about hormones and contraceptives. And so what happened was we started to see or those of us paying attention, mainstream, mainstream. this is not really obvious, but uh, in the academic world, there started to be papers being published about Depo and HIV, which is interesting. You know, why would, the, you know, why would that be connected? Why, why would that be an issue? But what you have to understand is that Depo is greatly pushed in the developing world. And it is actually one of the most popular, popular, depending on who you are asking, certainly popular with donor agencies and family planning organizations. But it's, it's very much pushed on the developing world, uh, and in particular Africa. And the idea is that you want to get these women on a long-term birth control because there's limited health resources and limited exposure to healthcare providers and need to get them on a long-term agent. And um, so you're working in Africa in a very, uh, in lots of areas of high, high rates of HIV. And we don't have that in this developed world because we have HIV medications. So while there is HIV in this country, it's not that there isn't, but we have much more access to medications and treatment than they do in the developing world. So it's much more of an epidemic in Africa. So when you're studying these things, you obviously are going to get better data from places where this is happening more. And so back in the 90s, all the way back in the 90s, they were starting to see this association of increased risk for HIV acquisition in women who used hormonal contraception. And as I mentioned, most women in Africa are not taking birth control pills. Some of them are, but it's much more likely to be DAPO. And so people started to theorize why this was happening. And one of the things that happens with DAPO is that it, it is one of the most effective hormone, uh, hormonal contraceptives of turning off your hormones completely. But the first thing it does is it turns off your progesterone production because it's a progestin. So it occupies the receptor so you don't, you're not making progesterone and you can't respond to progesterone and you're not ovulating from it. Um, so at the very beginning, women have tremendous heavy bleeding because they still have estrogen going on. So estrogen is a growth hormone, progesterone is a balancing hormone. So you take away the balancing hormone, and then you all you get is the stimulation effect from estrogen. So the vast majority of women bleed, 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 bleed when they first go on depo, which is horrible. I mean, you will hear women say, I was on my period for three straight months. And the doctor will be like, that's normal. <laughs> that's normal. Just put up with it, you know. 
So after you've been on Depo for a while, then what happens is your estrogen levels start to drop. So when your estrogen levels drop, then you can exhibit symptoms of low estrogen, which includes thinning of your vaginal tissue. So just like in menopause, women who go through menopause experience vaginal dryness, and uh, your vaginal tissue becomes easily irritated and susceptible to infection. So the supposition was that as the vaginal tissue was uh, thinning out, it was becoming more likely for the HIV virus to penetrate into the vaginal tissue and more likely for a woman to become HIV positive if exposed. Um, So that's sort of the theory that everyone was saying. Um, However, as things continued to progress with research, a lot of people started to say there seems to be more evidence of the HIV virus in women on depo in their vaginal secretions, and is there some kind of innate immune system issue going on here? And so there's lots of theories and research, but finally in 2013, two different labs, one in South Africa and one in the United States in Birmingham, Alabama, <clears throat> proved that DEPO was affecting the innate immune system. Mm -hmm. Specifically, it was suppressing T-cell production. And your T-cells are your main weapon against HIV. So once you get exposed to HIV, your immune system is activated to to fight this threat. But if your first line of defense is suppressed, then you're much more likely to actually acquire the HIV virus if you're exposed to it. And so women at high risk for HIV, this would be women in high areas of endemic HIV, women who are sex workers, women who have uh, other immune system issues, and women who are discordant, meaning their partner is HIV positive and they're HIV negative. These women are at much higher risk for acquiring HIV. And so these papers were published, and honestly, the only people really paying attention to it would be people in the academic world. There were a few articles that were published in mainstream uh, publications, but if you don't have someone to translate all this stuff to, to a layperson, it's going to go like this. They're not going to understand what all this means. And so there were people who understood what it means, and that is uh, WHO, World Health Organization, and they were really dragging their feet in response to this information. And so for many, many years, there were no restrictions on the prescription of HIV to women at high risk for HIV. And when this information started being published, and these were um, journal articles in very highly respected journals like the Lancet Infectious Disease. 2011, huge paper published showing a 50% increased risk for HIV in women who used EPO and, and were in a high, air, high risk for HIV. Published by Renee Heffron in, um, in the Lancet Infectious Diseases. And it, it created a buzz in the academic world. And so what started to happen was people went into, like, spin doctor mode, (laughs) you know, (laughs) because what we don't want to take this drug out of Africa. And whose drug is that the favorite drug of? Melinda Gates. Melinda Mm -hmm. Gates loves Depo. So also in 2012 was her London Family Planning Summit where she sort of rolled out this grand plan to increase contraception access to the developing world under the guise of empowering women. And her drug of choice was Depo. Well, this was just starting to come out, but Depo was a problem. So before it really, you know, started to be exposed, she was sort of jumping out ahead of it to say, you know, this is what we're doing. We're helping women. We're putting all this money into it, and we're really pushing Depo into the the developing world. Well, they also unrolled a depot uh, version called Cyanopress. Cyanopress is a depot that can be self-injected. So they're 
putting even more layers of distance between a woman and her healthcare provider because now they'll just give the drug out and a woman can give it to herself at home and they will likely give her plenty of these so she doesn't have to come back in. So there's nobody monitoring her. There's no one she can really talk to if she's having side effects. She's obviously given very little information up front about the risks, even though they tell you, oh, we, we give all the information about all the side effects. But I think that if you actually came out and said, hey, you're in Africa where there's high, high rates of HIV, this, this drug right here might increase your risk by 50%. Most women would probably say, I'm not sure I want that. Right, right. You know what is so surprising to me is I hear from women here in the U.S. that they are on depo and they talk about how their symptoms have, PCOS symptoms have increased. And looking at um, reading your book last night, many of the side effects sort of mimic a lot of the PCOS symptoms. And the other yeah. thing that I think um, is interesting is that when you come off of depo, maybe you could speak to this. And I mean, just even birth control in general. And I know Dr. Lara Bryden talks about it in her period repair manual that there's, she believes that there's sort of this post pill form of PCOS. And coming off the dep depot, it affects women in different ways. As I read in your book, some women can um, start to have uh, increased testosterone. So it sort of brings about PCOS just from the withdrawal of the depot, which I think is fascinating. Right. And it, it really, um, it, it really makes sense what I'm hearing from women, um, the way that you explained it in your book. Right. So what happened with that basic research was that um, the basic scientists who were looking at the immune system, they proved that Depo is a glucocorticoid medication. So in common language, a glu glucocorticoid is a steroid. So most of us are familiar with steroids being used in medicine for various problems, uh, autoimmune disease, um, respiratory illnesses, asthma, um, infections, you know, things like that where steroids are given. And most people also know that steroids, the most common one that people have heard of is prednisone, cause a lot of side effects that are also seen with Depo. Weight gain, um, mood swings, fluid retention, and over time suppression of the immune system. And so it's interesting that the weight gain that's associated with Depo is a very specific pattern of weight gain that is also seen with another condition called Cushing syndrome. So Cushing syndrome comes from overproduction of cortisol. So cortisol is your ultimate glucocorticoid hormone that's made inside the body. And if you have a tumor that's overproducing cortisol or if you just have hyperplasia of your adrenal glands overproducing cortisol, then you will gain weight in a very specific distribution pattern. And that is abdominal weight gain. So you have a lot of belly fat, protuberant abdomen. Uh, women will get um, a lot of edema and weight gain in their face. So that's called a moon face and often get a double chin and very round face. And then they can get fat, a fat pad uh, on the back of the top of the spine. It's called a buffalo hump. And so you see that exact same fat distribution pattern as someone with um, someone that has Cushing syndrome. And so the reason for that is that Depo is a steroid that is very similar to cortisol and to prednisone, other steroids. And nobody really understood that. Well, here's the other piece of the puzzle that comes into play with Depo, and that is bone loss. Mm. So women, um, so Depo will really, it took till 1992 to be, um, to be passed as a, as a drug with the FDA, even though it had been around since the 1960s. It took that long to get approved for various reasons that I go, to, go into in the book. But by 2004, there was already a black box warning for bone loss. 
And again, a lot of people said, oh, this has to be because the estrogen levels are dropping because where do we see bone loss in menopausal women? But the problem was they were seeing this bone loss that was persistent, meaning it didn't turn right around as soon as you got off of depo. And in fact, in adolescence, which was the most concerning and which actually led to the black box being put in there, in adolescence, they had not regained their bone density in five years from going off of depo. Mm. This is a huge problem because those women, most of them have not attained their full bone strength already because if they're 16, 17, 18, getting a depo shot. So that black box warning was in place for bone loss since 2004. Well, if you look at steroid patients, patients who are on long-term steroids, what's the main problem that they have with their bones is development of osteoporosis. And that's because steroids affect your ability to grow new bone. And so osteoporosis is a risk of long-term steroid use. Well, now that we know that Depo is a steroid or a glucocorticoid medication, the bone loss makes complete sense Mm -hmm. because it's having the same effect as someone who's taking prednisone. So you're putting all these pieces together with this new research. You're saying the weight gain, the bone loss, the immunosuppression, Depo is a steroid. So you have all of these women on steroids, and they're all wondering why they're gaining weight. Now, not everyone gains weight universally with Depo, but it's a huge percentage of women who do. Not everybody who takes prednisone gains weight either, but it's sort of like one of the more common reasons people stop taking it because they are tired of gaining weight. Well, that can lead to worsening of insulin resistance and diabetes. So as far as the metabolic side of PCOS, absolutely it's going to worsen the metabolic side of PCOS, which is insulin resistance. Mm -hmm. It can cause fluid retention, which can increase your risk for hypertension. And so these are problems that PCOS patients already have. And so in many cases, Depo could absolutely make everything worse. And so then like, I was just going to interject and, um, you know, I hear from so many women that that anxiety is so debilitating and, you know, and that is part of that mood disorder that I think birth control pills and um, Depo can exacerbate. I think we talked the last time about the study that came out last year in um, Scandinavia that was done with, Uh, looking at the risk for depression with all hormonal contraceptives. And they were all found to increase the risk for depression. And this was a huge study because, as we had said, so many women are told their mood problems are not from the birth control. Well, this study proved that that all hormonal contraceptives increase the risk for Mm -hmm. the relative risk for depression. And so the other, the other reason it affects mood is when you do not make progesterone. Progesterone production is completely turned off. Progesterone is a mood-stabilizing hormone because it has calming effects on the brain. And it also has uh, metabolites that are calming to the brain. Well, synthetic progestins don't have that. So you're not making the calming hormones. So you have lots of anxiety. You have lots of mood swings. Estrogen is also important in mood, too, because you need estrogen for cognition, for thinking, for concentration. So basically, your female hormones are being completely turned off. Then you have the steroid effect of Depo causing you to have all these metabolic problems. And then when you go off of it, it sometimes gets worse. Why does it get worse? It gets worse because... If you take something that is a steroid and then you stop that steroid immediately and don't wean off of it, then you will have adrenal suppression. Mm. And that's why all people are told to wean off of steroids when they're on steroids, unless you're taking them for like five days. But if you're just taking it a short-term burst, you don't have to wean off of it. But if you're on long-term steroids, you have to gradually wean off of them or else your adrenals, which have been dependent on that glucocorticoid, will completely crash. 
And so that's what happened to Tracy, who is my co-author of this book. She, number one, she had uh, almost an immediate effect on her immune system because she started getting all kinds of infections, which ultimately led to her hysterectomy. And so it's, it took her fertility away from her. Um, it took her ability to have a strong immune system away from her. And now, even after she's been off of it for several years, she's still dealing with the adrenal withdrawal and adrenal suppression that comes. Now, this is not something that hardly anybody recognizes as an adrenal problem because most people don't realize it's a steroid. So if you don't know it's a steroid, you don't know to look at the adrenals. And I'll be honest with you, the vast majority of doctors are not good at the adrenals anyway. <laughs> they usually ignore them. Even endocrinologists, um, they are, it's not on their radar like it should be in this kind of a setting because they don't know that this drug, uh, up until now, that this drug is a steroid. So you have often women who are doing okay on Depo, and then when they stop Depo, they go really downhill. They get worse. They get worse. And so they think, oh, my God, i got to get the Depo back. But the truth is, is it was the withdrawal of the steroid, and that's why they're having all these problems. But people can't recognize it for what it is, so all of these women are miserable. And if you go to Tracy's um, social media pages, especially on Twitter, you have a long litany of women literally cursing out the depo shot for how horrible they feel. And we've included a lot of that in the book, where we've just listed people's comments about depo, and over and over, I mean, you will not see things like, oh, I didn't really like it or I didn't tolerate it or, you know, some of the things that you might hear with regular birth control pills. You will hear, this drug ruined my life. This drug is the devil. I hate the depot shot more than I would rather be pregnant than be on this medication. This is horrible. So this, it's not, <laughs> women aren't doing well on it. And the fact that it now has the potential to have such life-altering effects on your hormones, on your adrenal system, on your immune system, the other risk with it is breast cancer. And so breast cancer, this is even more of a risk with Depo than it is with birth control pills. We know that most of the risk of breast cancer with birth control comes with long-term use of birth control pills or with using it, starting it at a very young age, and using it, um, you know, if you're using it for 10 years continuously, your risk for breast cancer is increased on birth control pills. Well, with Depo-Provera, the problem with Depo is that it has been shown to be causing breast cancer for many years. Eve, that was one of the barriers to its approval in the United States as a contraceptive because even the World Health Organization's data showed an increased risk for breast cancer, which they sort of swept under the rug and said, oh, this is small and this is just in younger women. And then what happened was we had a big hormone study in 2002, which was the Women's Health Initiative study. Well, that was done with the hormone replacement drugs, Primarin and Primpro. Primpro is Primarin plus Provera. Provera is the same thing as Depo-Provera. They are the same drug. And that study showed that women who took Primpro had an, a 26% increased risk for invasive breast cancer. This was a randomized controlled trial, so this was proof that it increased the risk for breast cancer. Whereas women who just took Primarin they did not have an increased risk for breast cancer. So that pointed the finger at Provera. Now, Provera is a very low dose of medroxyprogesterone acetate, which is the actual drug. It's about 5 to 10 milligrams, whereas in a depot shot, that's 150 milligrams. Oh, my gosh. Wow. So another study finally came out in 2012 showing that women who took depot had a 2.2 percent increased risk for breast cancer. And that was women who only took it for a year. They already had a double, a twofold increased risk for breast cancer. So you have probably a direct effect on the breast, but also an immunosuppressive effect on the breast. 
as you may know, if you suppress the immune system, your risk for cancer goes up. So not only are you at risk for infectious problems, but you're at risk for cancer because your immune system can't fight the cancer cells. So it's a, it's a very, it's a very bad drug. We see, you know, you see these commercials on TV, 1-800-BAD-DRUG. And I, I actually haven't seen very much. I should contact some of these lawyers and say, hey, how come you're not, how come you're not advertising about Depo? I mean, you could have some major lawsuits with Depo because this, this drug, it has immediate short, short-term side effects. It has long-term side effects. And I'm going to tell you what most women hear when they go for counseling for birth control. What kind of birth control do you want? Do you want to take a pill every day? Do you want a shot? Do you want a ring? Do you want a patch? Do you want a, a rod implanted in your arm? Which would you like? What would be more? What would you be more likely to be consistent in taking? And and then there might be a few. I'll tell you what happens with Depo. This could affect your bones, so be sure and take calcium. Mm. <laughs> That's it. And so the the counseling that women are are receiving when they go in for birth control, and you know this from hearing about the birth control pill in depo patients, I mean in PCOS patients, very little counseling, very little discussion of short-term or long-term side effects. It's mostly with the PCOS patient. Do you want to get pregnant? Do you not want to get pregnant? If you don't want to get pregnant, let's put you on birth control. Because that'll fix your periods. Yeah, and it'll fix your, and it's more, it's the therapy that's offered. It's going to fix your hormones. Um, right. And, and the other thing that I just wanted to, I always try to point out when we're talking about birth control, although it's still a small risk, but the risk is increased for, for blood clots. And I can't tell you yes. how, when I post about that, how many young women in their 20s and 30s have, Post that yes, this happened to me. I've gone for a life-threatening blood clot to the emergency room, um, and have never in a million years was thought that would happen to me, or it was even a possibility because I was never told that I was at a two times increased risk for blood clots. Yeah. Absolutely, and um, you can die from that. So right. there are women that have not come back from that. There's also a clotting risk with the Depo shot. A lot of people prescribe Depo because it doesn't have estrogen in it. So they assume that this is safe for women who are at higher risk for a blood clot. When the truth is, is that the actual research shows that you're still at risk for blood clots with the Depo shot. And some of that is probably mediated through the, the steroid effect on the body. So it leads to weight gain, fluid retention, and that increases your risk for clotting if you're overweight or obese. So it's contributing to that risk. So certainly you still have a clotting risk with a depo shot, just like you do with birth control uh, pills. Um, And some of that has to do with the generation of progestin that you're taking in the birth control. So some of the newer progestins in birth control pills. So what birth control was most commonly prescribed to PCOS women for years? Yaz, Yasmin, that yeah. version. And so that was a fourth-generation progestin that was actually found to have almost triple or quadruple the risk for blood clots. So you're taking a population of people that are probably already at higher risk because of their tendency to have obesity or insulin resistance, and you're putting them on the most risky birth control pill because why oh it helps your acne right (laughs) well why because it has a an effect similar to spironolactone which Mm -hmm. is a drug that many pcos patients are given to lower their male hormone levels so that this was thought to be the miracle drug for pcos yes because it fixes your period and it helps your acne and it lowers your male hormones it's great it's wonderful except that if you get a blood clot, that's not such a great thing. Mm-hmm. If you if you get worsening insulin resistance from being on birth control pills, that's not a good thing. We know that birth control pills increase your risk for insulin resistance from a metabolic standpoint. These are not healthy things for PCOS women to be dealing with. But 
you're right. This is per, this is portrayed as a treatment mm-hmm. for PCOS, which it does not do. It does not treat PCOS. It does nothing to address the underlying hormonal right. imbalance, and it may actually worsen it in cases uh, uh, like I mentioned. So, so Dr. Poppy, when you see your patients with PCOS, um, how do you? Uh, I know every every woman is a unique individual case, but if you're not prescribing birth control as therapy, you know what what are you counseling women to do? What 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 are her alternatives to managing her PCOS? So it's usually usually multifactorial because it has to be right. We have to address a lot of elements with PCOS. But the cornerstone of PCOS therapy is giving women back the hormone that they are not making, which is progesterone. Mm -hmm. So progesterone is made from the ovulated eggs. So if you're not ovulating, you're not making progesterone. And most of these women are what we call estrogen dominant. Mm -hmm. They have a lot of estrogen, and that's often why they're having either heavy periods when they do have them, very heavy periods, often why they're dealing with um, ovarian cysts. They're dealing with often endometriosis, uterine hyperplasia. They're at risk for endometrial cancer. Those are all estrogen-dominant conditions. So progesterone, as I mentioned before, is the balancing hormone. It's the hormone you don't make when you don't ovulate. So you have to give women that hormone back. And cycling them with natural progesterone will greatly increase their return to more of a regular bleeding cycle. And then, of course, as you know and as you're uh, working with, you have to address the metabolic side of it by um, addressing diet, um, doing uh, nutrient supplementation, supplements that help them, inositol and, you know, uh, omega-3s and all of these healthy supplements that we use in PCOS patients. Um, The dietary component, as you know, is critical because most of these women are insulin resistant or insulin sensitive. So they need to have, you know, very healthy, more protein oriented diet in general, Uh, Mediterranean diet, paleo. There's a lot of different ways to get there. There's no one right way, but Mm -hmm. most of the time you have to get rid of processed food, too much sugar, too many carbs, because that's the bane of PCOS patients existence. It makes everything worse in them. Mm-hmm. And so it's a holistic approach. Mm-hmm. Um, we do use, I do use medications. I do use metformin. I do use spironolactone. I, but I use natural hormones because we've got to address the root of the hormonal imbalance. Mm-hmm. And we have to, to work with the hormonal system to get it to do what it's supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing that I wanted you to address too is, okay, so if we don't want to be on hormonal birth control, um, but we're not looking to get pregnant, um, what can we do? And, and um, you know, I've been very open in sharing my, you know, I, I was actually diagnosed with PCOS through using the Crichton model of natural family planning. I mean, it took me mm-hmm. uh, 15 years to get that diagnosis and knowing, really understanding my cycle at that sort of level of looking at it every single day was really the only way that I sort of gained the knowledge that there was something awry and it was PCOS. But tell us, Absolutely. and I know you're, you're a, um, an advocate of Dr. Hilger's work, and he's associated with that um, natural family planning uh, or the NAPRO technology and the Crichton model and just would love for you to share a little bit more with listeners about that. Sure. Um, there's a renaissance going on with these methods, which we can be referred to as natural family planning or fertility awareness methods. And these involve charting your cycles using various methods, some temperature, some cervical mucus, symptoms, um, such as breast tenderness or mood swings, and really trying to identify what's happening with your cycle. And this is critical. This is very critical also for diagnosis and treatment. But the vast majority of gynecologists know nothing about charting. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so, unfortunately, unless they're Catholic or unless they're really tuned into this stuff and holistic, 
you're unlikely to be even suggested to chart your cycles. So it becomes hard to find someone to teach you. A lot of women teach themselves by getting the book Taking Charge of Your Fertility by Tony Weschler, which teaches you how to chart, um, which is a great way of um, getting in touch with your body, your hormones, your cycles, what's going on here. A lot of women think that a lot of women who have PCOS still have fairly regular bleeding cycles. And they're even harder to diagnose because the doctor thinks you don't have PCOS if you're still having your cycle. Well, if you're having 35-day cycles, a lot of these cycles are likely anovulatory. And they're not necessarily normal. But you wouldn't know that unless you're charting, right? right? Now, obviously, if someone is um, definitely not wanting to get pregnant, you have um, condoms, which is probably one of the most commonly used non non-prescription forms of uh, contraception, um, diaphragms, cervical cups, cervical cup caps, I meant not cervical cups, not menstrual cups, cervical caps, can actually be ordered online um, you, you, without being fitted. There's a diaphragm called Kaya, C-A-Y-A, that can be ordered online that you don't have to be fitted for. Um, I do fit patients for diaphragms, so there are some of us still old school people out there fitting people for diaphragms. Um, some women choose the copper IUD, which is an intrauterine device that does not contain hormones. And, um, you know, it's, I'm, it's not my favorite. I don't put those in. Um, but some women choose them. It's called the Paragard because it doesn't contain uh, any hormones. Uh, if you are someone who has had children or knows for sure that you don't want to have children ever, no way, no how, then some women also choose permanent sterilization, uh, tubal ligation or vasectomy, um, if they know for sure that they don't want to have any children. I do want to just make a note about that. There's an excellent article on PCOS Diva um, about a, a woman with PCOS who had tubal ligation and it's kind of similar to the, you know, the work that you've been doing with the depot where there's, she's, she had some horrible side effects, um, started a community, and we're hearing more and more people that have um, tubal ligation syndrome and, mm -hmm. you know, lots of issues after tubal ligation. So that's another, you know, there are some women who have had negative um, experiences through that. Yes. Uh, well, I, I would say I, I see a lot of those women. I, I'd say I see probably more so, more so than other doctors, just because my because I'm a hormone doctor, I tend to see problem patients more than I just see happy go lucky. Right. I'm happy with my birth control patients. Yeah. Um, there's no one right mm -hmm. answer for everyone. Everyone mm -hmm. has to step back and analyze their situation, mm -hmm. and sometimes you have to kind of take things that you wouldn't like because of your situation, you have to discuss with your partner what makes sense for your lives. Um, uh, so there's not going to be, there's women who say, I can't chart my cycles, I'm too busy, I don't pay attention to that stuff, there's no way I would stay on top of it. It's not a, it's not a good choice for me. Mm -hmm. And um, I would also say that there's been a lot of technology that has arisen to help women with charting their cycles. So lots of apps, Lots of thermometers that are very fancy. Um, there's Avacue. There's Daisy. Um, there's all kinds of gadgets that have greatly increased the use of technology in order to help women who want to do fertility awareness or natural family planning. But it's not going to be the answer for everyone. Right. Um, I've even had women who said, you know, let's just try me on low-dose birth control because I don't want to get pregnant right now. Let's just see how I do. And I'm not opposed to that. It's all about informed consent, you know. Right. And so I will, but I strongly counsel them. I'll say, look, I need you and your family to be aware of your mood. And if it's changing and you're not yourself and you're definitely dealing with mood problems, after we start this medication, I need you to let me know. And we have, we engage with one another in order to have communication about their response to the medication. Mm -hmm. That's the way it should be, but many women, that's not their experience. 
Well, I just, I really appreciate the time that you took with us today, Dr. Poppy, and, and giving us that information so that we can have a con- informed consent. Um, and, you know, I encourage listeners to continue um, educating themselves, you know, beyond this podcast and certainly check out your new book and maybe you could just give us the title for that and where we could find it. Yes, it's called The Dangers of Depo, uh, The World's Most Dangerous Birth Control. And um, it's on Amazon. So if you go to Amazon, you can either get it on Kindle or you can get a paperback. Um, if you go to dangersofdepo.ca, there's a website there that has lots and lots of information about Tracy's journey. And um, I met her online. She contacted me when she heard one of my shows on Depo. And that's how we came together to write this book together, because I've actually never met her in person, only oh, wow. online, because <laughs> she's in Canada. So the website is Canadian. That's the um, .ca instead of .com. Um, but if you go there, you can also follow Dangers of Depot on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, you can follow me on Facebook and Twitter, Dr. Poppy on Facebook, and Dr. Poppy BHRT on Twitter. I also have a website, drpoppy.com. Um, I have a license in Missouri and Pennsylvania, so I can um, have take patients from Missouri or Pennsylvania. I can do Skype consults for patients in those states. Um, and so, but there's lots of lots more uh, holistic practitioners. I know you talk about a lot of them. I talk about a lot of them in my book. I have a list of resources in my book, books, um, blogs, um, Facebook, Twitter pages of people doing more natural holistic hormone balancing. And there's so there's tons of resources like that in this book. So even if you're not on Depo or don't want to take Depo, this is a very good book for understanding hormones, understanding hormonal birth control. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and just to give another little plug, you have a great section in, in the back about how to recover from, you know, hormonal birth control if you're having some of these, you know, symptoms that we talked about, and you kind of have a little, you know, you go into, um, you know, how to do that. So another another great reason to pick up a copy of the book. So thank you again, and I hope to have you on the podcast again soon. You're one of my favorite guests. <laughs> well, thank you so much. I'd love to, to be back, and I can't wait to read your book that's coming out. Oh, yay. I know. I, I'm really excited about that. Well, I just want to thank everyone listening, and thank you so much for joining us on today's PCOS Diva podcast. If you like this episode, don't forget to subscribe to PCOS Diva on iTunes or wherever else you may be listening to the show. And if you have a minute, please leave me a quick review on iTunes. I, I read every one of them, and I really love to hear from you. And please don't forget to sign up for my free newsletter. It goes out every Thursday with some really interesting piece of related content um, to PCOS. And you can get instant access for that at PCOSDiva.com. This is Amy Medling wishing you good health. Look forward to being with you again soon. Bye-bye.